This is the Millionaire Real Estate Podcast, where you'll learn the strategies and tactics you need to become a millionaire agent. Learn from top agents, brokers, team leaders, and experts in the industry who can help you on the path to success. And now, here's today's episode. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. We have Ann Lusk. She's the owner of Lusk and Associates from Sotheby's International Realty, and she is a Penn State graduate. She started her real estate career while living in Florida, and then she returned to Pennsylvania, and now she's one of the top five teams in her area. And so, Ann, welcome. And just so you know, our title today is What Do You Do? with getting listings in this market? I would say that is one of the number one questions we get asked over and over again is how am I supposed to get any listings? So, and what's your number one technique for getting listings right now? Number one is use what you have. So I go back in my database. Um, Most people change homes or circumstances every seven years. So I go back to my database right now, who I sold a house to seven to 10 years ago. Then I pull up specific names and numbers, pull, because people always say, what's in it for me? So I then pull the comps in their neighborhood. I also go to their Facebook page, Instagram page, and LinkedIn page. Are they changing jobs? Are they, did they have a death in their family? Did their kids graduate from school? Because life circumstances cause people to move whether the interest rates are 3% or 9%. So I start there. I also try to keep in contact with all of my clients uh, from even 28 years ago. The reason is you have to list to last. And right now, you have to be creative. For instance, if you, and I double lend about 42% of my own deals, over 400,000 in my marketplace. Um, Because today, if you have the listings, you do get the buyers. So you have to constantly be searching for listings. The other thing is, I really focus on specific areas. You can't be all things to all people. So um, I want to I want to stop because I think you shared a, a gem that I want you to really expand. on. So one of the things I heard you say is you're going to look through their social media, through their LinkedIn. You're looking at their life and saying, OK, if they're saying something like and you know, I've see people on there all the time that say like, well, I have bad news, you know, my I'm getting divorced or they say, you know, my son is moving to Florida or, you know, different things like that. So that should ring a bell, whatever they're saying, or if it may, maybe even if they're mad at their husband, you know, on there, you would say you would give them a call. That's when you would check in and say, I saw your son just got into the University of Florida. That Are you thinking about possibly moving to Florida to be ne- near him? Is that what I'm hearing you say, right? Absolutely, because you have to be in touch. And again, clients really want to know 
like be asked about themselves. Oh my gosh, I see that your son got a division one scholarship at Ohio State, even though I'm a Penn Stater. Um, wow, tell me how that's going to affect your life. Again, I don't specifically say, are you moving? I ask them how this is going to affect their life. Sometimes they'll say something like, wow, you know, when Johnny leaves, this house is going to be too big. Oh, are you going to stay local? Are you going to, would a condo be, suit your lifestyle better? Or do you want to get a small home here and a second home in Ohio? Would you like me to refer you to an agent to make your transition easier? You have to talk to people and ask them about themselves in order to solve their problems. I think that's so powerful because I think a lot of people who are on this call, what happens is they might be a little bit introverted. And it's so funny because everybody that I know, they are saying things like, listen, the older I get, the more introverted I'm getting. And I think before, you know, everything with COVID, they're getting more introverted. If you have something to talk about, Otherwise, it's awkward because a lot of times people are like, I'm going to call this past client. I just called them. I don't know what to talk about. If you go through their social media, you will then see all these different things and then you could talk about it. I saw that your son won the, the soccer tournament. Tell me about that. I saw that this happened. I saw that that happened. Give me some other topics that you talk about that can kind of then nicely without them thinking, oh, all she wants to talk about is real estate, they can do that nice transition from one to the other. A lot of it is even like on LinkedIn, a lot of times you'll see they're changing job titles. And then you can also, uh, LinkedIn Premium, see who they work with. And it might be like, wow, this is so exciting. I see you're a manager now of five people. What do you like about it and what are the challenges? And they might even give you clues like, well, it's it's a change and I'm going to have to downsize several people and that's going to be a really hard decision in this economy that, you know, as a manager, it's all about results and bottom line. You might even get a, a clue on maybe to contact the people they work with to talk about, would you like a value of their home through a, a personal mailer? Because today with tax records, you can look up where people live and just put the the bug in their uh, thing that you're a real estate agent, you're available. The other thing I like to do is when a sale happens in one of my former clients' neighborhoods is say, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. The house two doors down from you was only on the market three days. And I understand there was a bidding war. I don't know the final outcome. However, would you be interested in knowing what it closed for before it goes in the newspaper? Again, value added information. Um, everyone wants to know what their neighbor's house sold for. And if you're proactive, they might be saying, yeah, I, I didn't want to put my house on the market yet. I was curious with what they got and if now would be a good time for me to sell. Or 
when you're prospecting to the people they work with on LinkedIn and your person says, well, as a manager, it's tough. I got to cut the budget. You might have a list of those five people from LinkedIn and just send them a card. Um, Would you like to know what your house is worth in today's market? There's so many creative things to get listings. One of the programs that I found very successful is uh, SmartZip, where it goes out to an area and um, it just gives them a card about recent homes that sold, asking if they'd like a personal, you know, uh, evaluation of what their home's worth. People are always looking to make their life easier. If you can lay out the information and be helpful and supportive, they'll call you to list their house. I list a lot of people's houses when their relatives are real estate agents. I listed a house where the wife was a real estate agent. That's awesome. And, and people say, well, why? I said, because they wanted to get the job done And the information I put out there for people was useful and helpful. I always put people's needs first before mine by offering them good advice, information, facts, and data. That way it doesn't come on like there's people in my area that would be like, are you going to sell your house? What are you going to do? I find that I don't ask for the listing. I give them information that helps them. So I'm seen as a consultant and a professional, not a salesperson. Well, I, w- I want to say one thing that we're starting with our inside sales department, which is, you know, there's listings that are hiding in plain sight. And I want you to think about this. How many buyer leads did you ignore last year? I read a study in the National Association of Realtors that half of the buyer leads that had a property that they needed to sell to purchase was, you know, they came in as a buyer lead, but half of those people were a seller. So what we're adding into our mix that I'm having our inside sales department do, one of the questions right up front is, let me ask you a quick question. Do you own a home currently? Because right away, if those buyer leads come in, If they own a home, you need to spend three times the amount of attention to them, in my opinion, because they are also a seller lead. How do you handle that? Is there anything that you do for the maybe pay more attention to those people who have a a seller listing to sell as well? So number one, every lead I get, I personally answer back. If I am busy then I will put it with somebody that's with it in my office. So I own my own office, but I have management personnel. And believe it or not, I don't have a team. However, I will refer a buyer lead to the agent in my office that I feel will best suit that need because people only know two words right now. What can you do for me right now? And the reason... I think I have such a good business. I was in the Wall Street Journal as one of the top 250 agents in America. I usually am in the top five of the state. 
And I'm in an area where I compete with 1,419 other real estate agents. But the difference is, is I respond to people. I talk to people. I ask them questions. And if I'm not available, I seek out somebody that can help them right now. Most agents, um, I'm fascinated when, you know, a lead comes through Zillow or Realtor.com and I call the person and they're like, oh my gosh, I've been trying for a real estate agent to respond back to me for days. And then they look me up and say, you're the busiest agent in the state and you took the time to call me up. What does that say about our industry? Response, people just want to be served on their terms. And what I hate to hear is, oh, it's a bad lead. There's never a bad lead, guys, ever. No lead is a bad lead because every person that calls is going to either buy or sell sometime in the next one month or five years. I call the people that maybe aren't ready right away Christmas gifts, because if you drip and you contact and you keep in touch, eventually they're either going to buy, they're going to sell, or they're going to refer you to one of their friends because you've earned their trust. So there's never a bad lead. And I'm sure, Chantel, you hear, oh, that was a bad lead. So one of the things I always say is that you're unemployed until your next sale. So when you're in real estate, you earn the money, you get paid, and then you're actually unemployed again, right? That's how real estate works. So we want to teach everybody how to conduct themselves as a business and not just be real estate agents because business owners, being a business owner will help you retire. And so I want you to look at something that is the next level, which is Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant. And so what he says is, is that the next level of a business owner is like, okay, ask yourself, am I on this side or am I on this side? Am I just self-employed or am I a business owner or do I take it to the next level and have passive income? And that's really what is great is because we teach you number one, how to operate on this side where you're a business owner and also are creating passive income. And what I say is, does your system, does your business work independently from you? Like, have you ever been to a real estate agent retirement party? Like I never have, right? Like I've seen people, you know, that have been in real estate for a really long time. It ages you, but I know one thing, I don't wanna be showing homes on Saturdays and Sundays, getting calls at night, and I don't want to, when I'm 65 years old, doing that. And so that's what we're trying to solve is saying, why don't agents retire? Well, there's all kinds of reasons. You know, they there's no retirement contribution matched by their employer. Healthcare prices are going up. Prices in general are just insane right now. And even if you have a rental property that maybe makes $3,000 a month, you're spending $2,000 on expenses. 
and then you just aren't making enough passive income. So what we want to teach you how to do, we call it now and later, like, you know, the candy now and later. Well, we want to have you have money now and your now money is helping buyers and sellers buy their home and sell their home. Yes. Let's do a little bit of that. But we're going to help you create that later money, which is where we can retire or at least have some kind of retirement money addition to what we're already making. And so that is the real basis of our brokerage. You can build your own brand, you can be successful, and we give you all the tools and support to fast track your business to success. Oh my gosh, I hear it all the time and I get so frustrated because what's happening, what what I see happening all the time is that people are getting, we have leads and they call them one time and then they never call them again. And we've got leads that are seven or eight months old. And the National Association of Realtors says that the average time that someone comes in as a lead, it takes about seven months for them to pull the trigger. So if you're you're going back through the leads that were six months old, five months old, those are the Mac Daddy leads, but everyone wants the brand new leads and they forget about, they say between seven and 11 times that someone needs to be contacted in order for them to get, to actually secure the deal. And they also say that the first one who gets face-to-face wins. There was a a study from NAR that said that 77% of recent sellers only interviewed one agent before listing their house, but they did it with the first one that got face-to-face. How are you getting face-to-face with these with these people? First of all, I just don't text them. I pick up the phone, speak to them, find out what their needs and ask them, do you prefer nights? weekends, or days. What are the three best times for you to, for me to come visit you this week? Also, I ask him questions like, can you tell me what you've done to improve your home since you've lived there? Get them talking. Because if I find out they bought their home in 2015 and they go, oh my gosh, we finished the basement two years ago. I spent 50 grand redoing my master uh, on my primary suite bath. I just got new countertops. I repainted my whole house. And can I tell you about my infinity pool? Well, you have a lot of information before you even step in the house and can come prepared. I'm always usually against several agents, but the number one thing everyone says is, Wow, you came prepared. I find it fascinating when agents bring a sheet about themselves. Oh, I won this award. Oh, I did this. Quite frankly, that seller doesn't give a crap. He doesn't care about that or she doesn't care about it. They want to know, well, how many homes have you sold in my neighborhood? What's your average sales price? What do you think you can do to prepare me that I get the best results in the shortest amount of time. What's sold? What's on the market? What's my competition? What's a marketing plan? 
the number of people, I these people, they were engineers. They interviewed seven agents. This will shock you. I was the only one that came with a marketing plan, comparables, and had a two-year history of everything that happened in their neighborhood. And I went into the MLS and pulled every old seller's disclosure on your, their property I could find and every old MLS mm. and the pictures to see what they had done in the evolution of their property and complimented on them. Wow, you performed a miracle on that primary suite bathroom. Your landscaping is impeccable. How long did it take you to create those beautiful gardens? Again, it's about them. And I'm sure, as it, Chantel, you would probably freak out if you heard your agents going into a listing appointment without a marketing plan and a presentation. Well, we have them already lined up, so it's super easy for people to have them on there easily. So it's it's kind of insane not to be able to come in with that. But I like what you said about, you know, again, people want to, they, I, I get frustrated. I just had a, someone did a sales call with me and I could see he had a PowerPoint presentation and it had seven slides about how wonderful they were. And I was like, I literally was like, I'm really short of time. Let's just cut to the chase. But the thing is, is that when when you talked about earlier, you said, you know, monitor their social media accounts. Yes. Significant life changes. And people are, you know, more likely to move when they're going through major milestone life events, such as wedding or birth or divorce or death. But when someone's undergoing a difficult life change like death or divorce, you being able to be there to reach out to help and being caring and being supportive, like that's if something is like a death or a divorce, it's not really the time to ask about selling. But them just knowing, hey, I care about you. I'm interested about what's going on in your life. I want to be there for you. That is what I'm hearing you say is just, I mean, I can tell how caring and supportive you are. Uh, just from having this conversation. And that's what I'm hearing, kind of finding out what they need and doing that. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And empathy. And a, a lot of times my listings come from people I have nurtured for like three years where people call and say, listen, we're not ready today. We're on a list for Willow Valley or Moravian Manor or Landish Homes. And we just know this is going to be an overwhelming task to go from 5,000 square feet to 1,500. And I go in there and I say, listen, this is what your house is worth today, but the market changes. And then I sit down with them and say, listen, I can come monthly, I can come quarterly, I can come every six months to be your life transition coach and help them through because people get overwhelmed. They have all this stuff they've accumulated and let's face it, their kids leave all their stuff too. And the kids are 45 years old and still have their uh, college uh, dorm room things at their house. So I say, listen, Rome wasn't built in a day. Let's take, if they have three years, one room a month and let's go through and then let's talk about 
what you can let go. And the other idea I give them is a lot of people have collections, their Hummel collection, their kids, you know, they're 75 years old and they have their kids kindergarten through 12th grade art projects. But they want the memory because it's part of their heart. I say, well, this is great. Do you have grandkids? Oh, yes. I said, well, have the grandkids take pictures of all these projects, put them in a snack fish book, and you can put it on your coffee table and Willow Valley. So you preserve the memory, but you can let go of this stuff. Oh, I like that. And a lot of boomers are a little bit of let's save this, let's save that. I feel like the older, maybe I'm wrong, but I guess. Oh, no, they want to save everything because you have to remember when they grew up, they didn't have 50 pairs of Nikes in their closet, okay? They had one pair of sneakers. They had their Sunday shoes. They had their school shoes. They might have had like a sports cleat, but most people growing up had three to five pairs of shoes, not 55 pairs of shoes. Well, those kind of people also, homeowners, I saw that there was a study that people who are the boomers or anyone who is age 55 and older that has a two-story home, they're now, due to mobility problems and everyone has joint issues, they're now saying, I'm searching for one-story homes. So that's another good conversation to have. And the prime time to buy a second home is around the age of around 50 as well, where some of them are thinking, maybe I'll have a, a a house in Florida. So that, do you have any kind of conversations like that with oh saying, my gosh. have you thought about going into a ranch? Well, I have that, but I also really beat on everyone in my office about the power of referrals. Um, when I hear somebody talk about, oh, inflammation of joints or, well, this is too much, I'll say, well, what are your goals? Where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? And a lot of people right now say, oh, I want to be in Florida. I want to be in Myrtle Beach. I want to be in Charleston. And I say, that's fantastic. Tell me what you want your home to be like. And then I actively search out an agent to help them on that end while I'm preparing them on this end to sell their home and get their downsize home. So agents are missing opportunities, not only to how can I help you transition here, but what are your dreams? And the average person that buys that second home looks for one, three to five years. And they develop that relationship where, hey, I'm going to take my once in the year pilgrimage to Myrtle Beach. Well, every year for five years, they're making a relationship with an agent I referred them to. They're seeking getting to know the area, getting comfortable with the area, building that relationship that then I become a team with that agent in Myrtle Beach. Not only are we getting the transition here to get their smaller rancher or first floor primary I'm helping them get their dream of their house in Myrtle Beach or Florida or Arizona. So I feel that 
most agents don't ask enough questions. And the other thing that I learned is if someone has, oh, do you have relatives that live locally in this area? Well, yes. Usually if they have siblings, that sibling's going to sell their home and they're also going to look up for a home in Myrtle Beach. Well, you can do their pain points. What's coming up for me every time you're talking is you're figuring out what people's pain points are and then going, I'm going to go into that pain point. And if you you can do that, like we we give our agents KV Core, you can the best way for us to get leads, even on the the internet, is for us to target a specific pain point. Meaning, if we did an ad that says, you know, tired of going up the stairs, want to see all of our ranch houses that just got recently reduced. And then they can do, you know, with our website, they can make a list of all the houses that are just ranches that are recently reduced. That drives a lot of of leads. Like, are you tired of just cleaning the house and having way too much space? And, you know, having someone have a picture that, you know, they're just frazzled or joint pain or all these, whatever it is, just pick whatever different pain points you're seeing. And then you can even target them either by the phone, by calling people, or by doing it on the internet. What are some other pain points that you're kind of really zoning in on to try to get those referrals? Well, I would say I'm a good problem solver. So my clients know that they can call me for anything. Like the biggest pain point for people is they go on vacation and their refrigerator line leaked and flooded their floor and went into their basement. Um, They call me and I said, don't worry. Okay, number one, can you turn off the water line to the refrigerator? Are you capable of that? I've been to many people's houses and personally did that, by the way. Um, Number two, I have good... Uh, relationships with restoration companies. Who's your insurance agent? Like, I just don't let them, I'm just not there for them in the good times. I'm there for them in the bad times. And a lot of agents have this thing, well, that's not my job. It When you sell somebody a house, It's all about relationships. You know their family. You know their kids' names. You know their mom's names. You know their brother's names. You know the dog's name, the cat name, the you know, chinchilla's name. When they are having a real problem, you, when things go really well in people's lives, they they forget your name very easily. But when there's a problem, and you can help them solve a problem. You become the, the I'm going to say, problem solver central. So I'll get a call from somebody that says, oh, my gosh, you don't know me, but my neighbors, Cindy Miller. And when they had this problem with their water line, I don't have the water line, but my basement flooded. You know, you were really helpful. What can you can you help me through this? Oh, man, I love that so much. And I would be putting, if you guys can put, if you don't have already a list of contractors that you can refer people to, and that's a great conversation to have on the phone. Listen, 
I've got a list. If anything goes wrong, call me first because I've got a list of contractors that can help. If anything breaks in the house, I can refer you to people. You want to be the problem solver. And if they think of you every time they have a problem with the house, then they're calling you and now they're you're the go-to. You want to figure out how to be the go-to and you've figured out how to do it. We are out of time and this was wonderful. I've so enjoyed my time with you. This has got, gotten so many great ideas. I hopefully you guys got some ideas from her. Please give her a big, huge thank you in the chat. Tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you in the chat. That'd be great. And thank you. Um, they, anybody's free to call my cell phone at any time, uh, 717-271-9339 or um, at um, Ann M. Lusk Realtor on Instagram or Ann Lusk at Luskin Associates, uh, Sotheby's International Realty or my personal Ann M. Lusk. You are wonderful. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time, Anne. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a rating and a review so we can get this out to more agents. And tune in next week for another power-packed episode. This is the Millionaire Real Estate Podcast.